Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Morning, church. How are you? Oh, come on, for real. How are you? How are you doing? Okay, good. Wow, happy to be here. Me too. So that's great. Well, my name's Kristen. If I haven't gotten to meet you, I'm John's wife, and I'm also the Connections Pastor here. So wanted to just say, um, we're doing this series called The Bible Verse That Changed My Life, and I'm up today. So, so excited to be with you and share with you. Always an honor to come and take this pulpit, one I don't take lightly. And, uh, but before I begin to the word, can we just give it up for our pastors? Pastor, Pastor John, my husband. Yeah, I live with him. And so I just, you know, I know the burden he carries. Yes, I should live with my husband, should I? Yeah. Um, I know the burden he carries, and it's a heavy load sometimes, and he does it so well, and he does it courageously, and he does it graciously. So I just want us always to know, let's always honor our pastor. Let's appreciate him. Let's tell him how much he means to us. So he's given himself a little break by allowing our staff to preach through this series. And well, like I said, what an incredible honor to be able to do that. Um, Friday night, we had a volunteer appreciation party. And that was so much fun. So I want to just give a shout out for our volunteers. You are amazing. The goal of that night is that you would feel appreciated, that you would feel seen. And because we can't do what we do without you. So if you haven't volunteered around here, there's a table for you. There's a seat for you at the table. We would love to pull that chair up for you. You can talk to one of my team members, and we will be glad to get you out. Speaking of my team, they're the ones who hosted that party, the volunteer appreciation party. So can I... Can we give it up for the Connections team? Thank you. They worked their little butts off and um, and made it just such a great night, but totally worth it. And we love you, and that's why we do it. We love our volunteers. So today, um, like I said, I get to preach on the Bible verse that changed my life. And that verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. And I hope my goal is by the end of this, you're going to be saying it with me, okay? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you. God, this message on fear, I pray, Lord, that you would just come and go into those areas we need you to go. Lord, that you will lift that fear if it's gripping us, if it's, it's holding us back from anything. Father, that we'd walk out these doors just with a little more courage today because you give us the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So God, we give you this day. Come and do a work in our hearts, Jesus. Meet us here, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk about fear today. What is fear? If you looked fear up in the dictionary, this is what you'd see. A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, threat, or evil, whether that threat is real or whether it's imagined. So fear is a natural response that arises within us at the threat of harm. And whether that that can be physical, emotional, psychological, it can be real or it can be imagined, but we all fear. It's an automatic response. 
And fear serves a very important role in our lives where it can keep us safe. It can mobilize us to cope with potential danger. And that's a really good thing when we're facing a real threat, when we're facing a real real danger. You know, every one of us in our brains, we have this little structure. It's an almond-shaped structure in the center of our brains called our amygdalas. And our amygdala is super important when it comes to survival because our amygdala is what detects fear. And it sends signals to the rest of our body to respond to that fear. And so when it comes to your survival, it's key. And we, it, it triggers a fight or flight response within our bodies so we can respond to fear. And recently, they've add two, added two more, and that is fawn and freeze. So each person in this room might, might respond to fear in a different way, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. And so I just want to have a little fun before we get into the, the message today. I want to know my audience. I want to know who I'm talking to today. So you're going to fall into one of these categories. So I'm going to go through and we're going to have some audience participation. Is that okay with you? Okay, so the first one is fight. And this would be the one who um, was ready if we were in a threatening situation together. You'd be the one to stand up and fight. You'd be the one to maybe get a little aggressive, a little angry. Maybe you'd be a little argumentative, but you'd be ready to charge. You're a fighter. How many fighters do we have in the room? And by the way, there's no right or wrong answer. A lot of fighters. Okay, I'm in this group right with you, so you're my people. Um, yeah, so no right or wrong answer here, but good job. Okay, flight. Let's look at that one. These people are the ones who are absolutely opposite of fight. They're ready to leave a threatening situation as fast as possible. They want to withdraw. They want to be safe. They want to they want to get to safety. Okay, let's see our flight people. Who are our flight people? We got a few of those, not too many. Okay, y'all, you need to call 911 if you if you um, run to safety and we're still fighting. You just Go ahead and make that call. Um, now, Fawn, this is a newer one that they, they recently added. And this is the people pleaser. This is the one where they might attempt to flatter or calm down the person that's threatening them, um, perhaps attempting to lighten the mood with humor a little bit. This is the negotiator, okay? They just want to make everybody happy. It's okay. Okay, how many fawns do we have in the room? Quite a few, quite a few. Okay, you are sweet people. I tell you, you're good people. Okay, and then lastly is freeze. And I kept this one for last on purpose because these are the people who um, you might experience dissociation, you might experience detachment, um, and you, if you find yourself, you will find yourself unable to either act in self-defense or run away from the situation, and so what you do is you just freeze. You do nothing at all. You just freeze. So how many freezers do we have in the room? We have a few of those. So yeah, and so that's fun. So, so here's the thing. Fear is a natural response. And, and we all respond to fear. And we respond differently. Your fears, they might look different. Um, and not all fear is bad, right? In 
Kids, we should teach kids to be afraid of sharp objects. Why? Because we don't want them to hurt themselves. You know, we all should have a good fear of a poisonous snake. Because why? Because that could be serious and cause injury or death. And these fears are appropriate fears. This is what was put in us as a valuable part, a valuable part of our survival instinct. That's the amygdala doing its job. Uh, however, there are fears that can cast a dark shadow over our lives and prevent us from living the life that God intended. And that's the fear I want to talk about today. You know, when the Bible talks about fear, that you should not fear, what is the Bible saying? Well, it's saying as believers in Christ, we're not to allow fear to rule our life. We're not to, as children of God, we're not to live in fear. The fear that paralyzes, the fear that holds us back, the fear that um, gets us stuck. God doesn't want us to live in that kind of fear. You know, I think one of the Bible stories that we all love is David and Goliath. Because we can relate to David and Goliath, we can relate to David as he faces this giant. You know, God calls this little shepherd boy. Who, who seemingly doesn't have much to offer. In fact, he's only on the battlefield right now because he's bringing cheese and crackers to his brothers. And he goes to the battlefield and he looks around and the entire army of Israel is dismayed and terrified. That's what the Bible says. Someone say that with me. They were dismayed and terrified. And, and David shows up and he starts looking around wondering what's going on and out comes the giant that had come for every day morning and night for 40 days. And he came in and terrorized them. He taunted them. He called to them. He intimidated them. And David's like, what is up with this dude? And listen to what David says. First Samuel chapter 17. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Woo! Come on! I mean, that's just courage right there, right? David faces his giant. He faces his enemy, and we know the story. He takes his little rock and his slingshot, and he takes down the giant. We love this story. Why? Because it's relatable, because we all face giants, and our giants, they, they may take on different forms, different faces. Their voices might sound different, but the fact is we all face giants in our life. And so today I want to share about a giant that I've faced in my life, and that giant is fear. You know, fear for many of us has become an enemy that can torment the soul and steal the promises of God from our life. Why? Because fear gets us stuck. Fear keeps us from moving forward in what God has for us. You know, we have a real enemy, and his name is Satan. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 10, a little about our enemy's agenda. It says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What I want to ask you today is what has fear stolen from you? What has fear stolen? stolen from you. Nothing can defeat the plan of God in your life 
except for your fear. Did you hear that? Nothing can defeat the plan that God has for you except for your fear. So some of us need to place our feet on the promises of God today, and we need to make them yours and go out and conquer that land. See, giants are defeated all around you as fear is defeated within you. What would you do if you had no fear? Wow. A scared world needs a fearless church now more than ever before. God is looking for some warriors who will stand up and take on the giants in life. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Let's talk about this text a little bit. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to a man named Timothy who's young. And, and I want to read this verse in a couple different translations. And I want to read verse 6 even before it. It says this, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So a little bit of a different translation, but it lets us a little more know what is being talked about. He, Paul is saying, Timothy, God hasn't made you timid. He hasn't made you timid. That's the kind of fear we're talking about. The kind of fear that makes us timid and holds us back than to step into God's authority. Let me read it in the Amplified Version. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, that special endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Isn't that so good? That's what we're talking about today. That's the kind of fear. Now, keep in mind, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and he's in prison. He's in chains, and it looks like he's, going, he's facing death. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he's having to pass the torch, if you will. And Timothy, this is kind of his Charlie Mike moment where he's saying, Paul's saying, hey, continue the mission. Let's, get, let's keep this going. And Timothy, you know, he's not a real strong leader. We know that from Paul's writings to Timothy and about Timothy. You know, he had a tendency to get lonely. He was young. He was shy. He was timid. We know Timothy had stomach issues. Paul tells him, hey, have a little wine for your stomach because it might settle your stomach issues down. Once even Paul wrote the Church of, Church of Corinth before Timothy arrived, and he said, hey, when Timothy comes to you, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. And so Paul's telling him, hey, guys, be nice to Timothy. <laughs> be nice to him. Don't make him afraid. Don't haze him. Don't, you know, be nice to him. He's going to need some encouragement. And yet here, Timothy, being a timid leader, is still called to lead. And Paul sees this in him. And so Paul's going to be leaving the, soon, soon, the scene soon. And so, you know, imagine getting into Timothy's head about right now. You know, his, his mentor is, soon, is looming death, and, and he's ready to hand it over to him. And Timothy's probably thinking, I, I don't know about all this. Yeah, I know I'm called, but 
I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I'm ready to step into this. I don't even know if I know enough. And, you know, there's people coming against me right now. Can I even handle it? I don't even know if I want to handle that. And, wow, you know, all these thoughts could be filling Timothy's mind. But here's Paul saying, Timothy, you can do this. I'm going to assure you, you can do this. And he's speaking words of encouragement. You know, words of encouragement are so powerful. They're so powerful, aren't they? You see something in someone, you tell them. Be an encourager. Gosh, I see something in you that you're a good leader. You're, you're, you've got what it takes. You can do this and, and encourage them. And Paul here is like, come on, Timothy. Timothy, remember when I laid hands on you and we prayed and the gift of God that was in you? And I noticed it then and I noticed it now. Come on, Timothy, let's get that going again. Come on, Timothy, let's fan that flame. You know, the thing about fire, fun fact about me, I love to start fires. I love it. Let me start your fire. <laughs> I love it. And if there's a little ember, what do we do to that fire? We blow. We have fan, fan that flame. The thing about fire is if you don't tend to them, they're going to go out. And that's the same with the passion and the fire in your heart. If it's not tended to properly, it's going to go out. So what's Paul saying? Timothy, you've got to fan that flame. You, that gift of God that's in your life, I see it in you. Come on, Timothy, you can do this. Come on, let's step up and let's get fanning that flame that's inside of you. You know, imagine when God said to Moses, hey, I want Joshua to lead my people when you're gone. And if you know the story, Moses, he's handing over his leadership to Joshua. And Joshua 1.9 says this, have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua needed some encouragement. Timothy needed some encouragement. You and I, we're going to need some encouragement, and we've got to fan that flame, not only for ourselves, but in the life of others. Let's let that voice be louder than the voice of the enemy. You know, I believe fear is one of Satan's favorite tools in his toolbox to keep Christians from stepping into their destiny. See, if Satan can keep you scared, he can keep you stuck. And at every opportunity, Satan is going to whisper in your ear in its lies. You know, he's the father of lies. They say this, it's been said that fear is simply false evidence appearing real. You know, let's expose the lies of the enemy. What, what, that's what stops us. We start to believe the lies of the enemy. Maybe your lies sound a little bit like, like this today is, you know, God could never use me. If people really only knew, God could never change me or I'm so hurt, I could never, I'll never get over this. I'm not enough. I'm not clean enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Nothing I do matters. I'm a failure. No one cares. Things will never change. I bet if we went around the room right now, some of you would be able to relate to some of those statements. It's the lies of the enemy. And this is why we need to know the word of God. Because this is truth. 
That's not what my God says about you. That's not what my God says about me. And we have to, this is why we have to read the word is because we have to know what it says. If we're not in the word, we have no idea. This is our weapon. This is what we fight with. And so we've got to get into the word and dig in. And this is the truth. I've left on your seats some, a handout with some personal proclamation scriptures. This is an easy way to get into the word. And I want you all to make a promise to me that you're going to put this on your refrigerator, on your mirror, in your Bibles. Somewhere you're going to see it. And let's get into the word. Let's fight this battle. Let's fight with the word of God. Let's declare these scriptures and proclaim these scriptures over our life. Because you know what? We've had it. Let's say no more to fear. I'm going to get, I'm going to give in. I'm not going to give in to this. I'm going to fight. And this is the way we're taught to fight. This is how it works. And so I want to share a little piece of my story with you today on how fear began in my life and, and how fear had such a hold on me. And I'm going to share this story today because I'm restored and I'm whole today, and I'm able to share it because I've went through it, and I'm on the other side of it, and I share it today to encourage you, whatever you're going through today, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. My God is able. He's more than able. We sang about it today. My God is more than able. I love that song. It reminds us sometimes, fan that flame. Fan that flame. I'm going to stick a little closer to my notes here as I tell my story because it is a little sensitive. And I just want to get a, give a trigger warning. But I want you to stay put because God's got healing in this room today. We love you. Whatever you've been through today, God promises in his word he will make good of it. He will make good of it. Do you hear that? He will make good of it today. I'm the youngest child of six in my family. We were raised in a Christian home. My parents had us in church every time the doors were open. The Bowers family was there. In spite of having godly parents and, and doing the best that they could do and doing what they knew to do best, I experienced sexual abuse in my home. And that abuse continued for 12 years at the hands of two close relatives. And that abuse stole more from me than my innocence ever would. As a survivor, many of you in the room can relate to my battle with intense fear began there. You know, children who've been abused can often deal with lifelong ramifications without the power and the po of the blood of Jesus. And fear is a huge result of abuse, specifically in this area of sexual abuse. Most survivors live with fear. And this can come and come out in the form of anxiety, depression, trust issues, vulnerability problems, constant imagined threats, insecurity, low self-esteem, intimacy issues. These things are all rooted in fear. And the list really could go on and on. But for the sexually abused child, nothing feels safe. And so the trauma response is always on a heightened alert where everything and everyone feels like a threat. They call this the amygdala hijack. Around the age of eight is when I figured out that what was happening to me wasn't normal for every little girl. And so I went to a person in my life that I knew would be safe, that I knew would protect me, that I knew I could trust someone that would help me. 
someone that would make it come to us an end. And that ended up causing me more pain, more isolation, more devastation, and only confirming my lack of trust and inability to feel safe with anyone. And so that sweet little eight-year-old girl grew up way too early. And that abuse continued for another four years. And this started a pattern in my life of really unhealthy independence, of detachment, and fear. And the lie I believed, even as an eight-year-old little girl, was that I was going to have to take care of myself. Because no one else cared. No one was safe. No one could be trusted, not even God. And this was me. I was broken and yet so hardened. I was painfully shy, extremely withdrawn, insecure, no self-esteem whatsoever, and consumed and gripped with fear. By the time I was 18 years old, I had mastered the tough girl image. And it was then that a youth pastor reached out to me. God bless our youth pastors. Thanks for reaching out to people who are hurting. When you see it, reach out. That person reached out to me, invited me along on a trip their youth group was taking to North Central Bible College. And I decided to go with them. I was in a room with a packed auditorium with thousands of other teenagers that surrounded me. And I sat in the very back underneath the balcony in the dark. It was the kind of message the preacher preached that everyone responded in the room. So everybody just kind of took a couple feet forward, you know, one of those altar calls where everyone responds. I don't even remember what he preached on, but at the altar call, we were all praying, and I had my head bowed and my eyes closed. And just then I heard him say the words, the girl in the orange sweatshirt, packed room, thousands of kids, I had just bought an orange North Central Bible College sweatshirt. And, and he said, hey, someone tap her on the shoulder because I wasn't about to look at him. I felt my friend kind of tap me and she said, he's talking to you. I was like, oh, no. I slowly looked up and our eyes met and he began to prophesy over my life. That's when God wants to talk to you and he uses a person to do it. And he looked at me and he said, called me out out of everyone else. He said, daughter, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. As I listened to those words, I didn't even know at the time that was a scripture. It was the first time I had heard it because everything up until that point was exactly what the enemy had tried to take from me and put fear on me. He, the, the power, I felt absolutely powerless. Love, I didn't know what love was. It was totally corrupted. A sound mind, if you've been through abuse, you won't know what a miracle that is. And as I sat there, and he said it again and again and again over my life. I went to my knees and just crumbled. That night the room cleared and I stayed. I stayed and I met with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit met me in the most precious way. It was the first time in a very long time I had cried. 
It's the first time in a very long time I felt totally safe in the presence of God. God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and in sound mind. That night, my life changed. That night, it changed my destiny. As the word of the Lord was spoken over me, something changed. That blanket of fear that had been on me for so long, that actually kind of got comfortable, that, that had consumed me, now lifted and was replaced by the word of the Lord that spoke power, love, and sound mind over my life. And so with holy fear and trembling that night, I said, no, no more fear. No more fear. I'm not going to let this thing have a hold on me and hold me back. No more letting it rule my life. And I said yes to the call of God that he had upon me. And Jesus called me unto him. I really can't explain what happened in my heart that night. My prayer is for the young people who are getting raised up, that they will have that kind of an encounter with God, that they will know him in such a way that it will feel so personal and so safe that they'll be able to tell the story one day of this is what God did in my life. My answer to God when I got up from the floor that night was, God, if you can use this, I'm in. God, if you, can, if you can use what I have to offer, God, and all my doubts and all my fears and all my insecurities and all my inadequacies, God, if you can use me, I'm yours. Isaiah 43.1, it says this, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. What does redeemed mean? It means that we're called back. It means to recover. After that, I found a professional Christian counselor who would walk me through some areas of much-needed healing in my life. You know, healing in many ways is like an onion, isn't it? Where it's layer by layer, and just when you think you've gotten, you're good. God is so good, and he's so kind that He'll continue the process to complete that. And if I can just tell you today, I'm still in process, and that's okay. The word of the Lord says this, he who began a good work in you, he'll be faithful to complete it in you. See, my trauma doesn't have the final word in my story, and neither does yours. That's my story. I don't know what you've been through today, but you have a story. Your story doesn't have the final word in your life. Your fear doesn't have the final say in your life. I stand before you today whole. I stand before you today restored, a little bit more courageous, because I know that in my weakness, he is strong. And it's nothing that I've done but only by the grace of an almighty God who makes all things new. That's the God we serve. We can't give in to the spirit of fear, the spirit of cowardice, the spirit of, spirit of timidity, because God has called us to be courageous. Come on, church. It's time to be courageous. You know, if I let fear 
If I let fear win in my life, I wouldn't even be sharing today because this is a little scary. It takes some courage to step out in what God's asking you to do. God's always going to usually step you into the uncomfortable. God doesn't care about your comfort. He just wants his name glorified and raised up. God wants to use you today, but I'm going to tell you what, warriors, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take pressing through that fear because the enemy knows on the other side of your fear today, your deliverer will set you into a place of effectiveness, into a place of anointing, into a place of favor. And God's calling you there. God's calling you there. Fear is trying to keep you from that. You know, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is doing it afraid. You know, sometimes it means stepping out when you don't have all the answers. Sometimes it means stepping out when, when your knees are shaken. Sometimes it means stepping out when you don't feel qualified. Sometimes it's overcoming one fear only to be faced with another. And fear is just this ongoing battle that we just got to stand in a place of victory. Stand in a place of confidence in God. Stand in a place of knowing what the Word says. You know, David defeated Goliath, but Goliath had brothers. Let's keep this thing going. God wants to bring us to a place where we can say, no matter what, I will trust in you, God. I will trust in you. I will not fear. Because why? Because I will trust in you because you are with me. God is good. Paul saying this to Timothy in the scripture, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Church, it's time to rise up. Rise up out of our fear. Put a stake in the ground. Stand up. Warrior up. Will you be the man or the woman today to stand in the valley and conquer your giant. God's calling us to that. Because why? Because he's with you. He's with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray today that we would leave here a courageous church, a fearless church, knowing it's nothing in our power, but it's all your power. Power, love, and sound mind. I speak over this church in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to do courageous things, that you're calling us to be courageous people. Lord, let us step into that, Lord. Let us do it afraid in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.